Hey everybody and welcome to Rock Video Rental. I am Brandon and with me as always is Caleb and we are wrapping up John Hughes Month Part 2. Uh, we're going to be talking about one of his lesser talked about 80s movies and that is some kind of wonderful. But before we get to all that, Caleb, what have you been watching? Take a wild guess. Family Guy. Yep. <laughs> and I'm in like... Football. Uh, I'm in like season 11, 12, uh, somewhere around there. And, you know, the later seasons that kind of suck. So, yeah, it's it's really annoying when I have it going on in the background that I actually sit down to watch. It and I'm like, man, the good stuff is so few and far between now. I will say, though, that one of the recent ones that I watched was the Tom Cruise one, the tiny Tom Cruise. Do you remember yeah. that one? Yeah, that that one was uh, a better one so i appreciated that but, well i know how much you love tom cruise too oh so, so much love and appreciation for that amazing actor you know <laughs> we need to do a tom cruise month oh man i <laughs> we probably should that would actually be kind of funny because i know how much you don't really like the guy oh my gosh it, that would be interesting we should we should find a month Who, who's somebody that you don't really like oh man I just like everybody. My name's Brandon. I, I think the one <laughs> I Michelle Rodriguez always annoys me. Oh yeah. So what what would we do? Watching all the Fast and the Furious movies? Oh no. It's pretty much all she's ever in. Uh yeah, she's in some off the beam pass stuff, but no, we'll have we'll have to find somebody that you you don't like. I have an aversion to. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's funny. But uh, what do you have anything worth contributing this week more than I did, or uh, a little bit, not a whole heck of a lot. Um, I watched, I think maybe one episode of Family Guy, but um, it's still watching the Drew Carey show. Uh, my youngest seems to be obsessed with Rudolph lately. Nice. Like she'll bring us the remote, and then you say, "What do you want to watch? Like, do you want to watch Bluey? Do you want to watch?" Um, Frozen, do you want to watch Rudolph? And she'll say Dolph <laughs> and like hand you the remote. So we've watched a fair you want to watch Adolf Hitler, <laughs> right? What Dolph, what? Dolph Lundgren? <laughs> you want to watch Rocky Four? Okay, yes, <laughs> you should totally do that to her tomorrow. Dolph, Dolph, okay, Rocky, here we go. Yeah, so we watched Rudolph a whole bunch of times, which I'm, I'm fine with. I mean, Rudolph was always one of my favorites as a kid, so whatever. Um, I watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Rock. Um, I tried to watch it like a couple weeks ago when I fell asleep during it, but yeah, watched the whole thing this time. It's always a yearly watch. A uh, little quick uh, blurb about that that I just saw mm -hmm. on social media. Somebody posted that of uh, facts and trivia. The lady who played the front, the desk person at the car rental at the airport. Yeah, Edie McClure. Yeah, she was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and um, was it John Hughes? Yeah, John Hughes, they said, uh, gave her a sheet to read while yep. at filming that movie. And it was the the scene from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And yeah. he had her read it while she, she was on the set of Ferris Bueller. And then because of that, he later brought her on for that movie because of how well the reading went yeah yeah i saw that same fact too i thought that was kind of funny yeah interesting oh uh -huh. <laughs> give me an effing car right <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, always so funny um well on top of that i also we were watching Shit's creek again nice um buddy show it's one of those it's got it's like such like offbeat and quirky humor mm -hmm. uh and you pick up on things that you don't may maybe don't hear other times uh the one that stood out to me this time was um johnny and moira meet um ted who alexis is going out with and johnny's like it's like oh hey ted nice to meet you he's like so your your parents still together and He's like, oh no, they got divorced when I when I was in high school. And Moira goes, ah, oh, alcoholism. <laughs> like I don't know why that was so funny to me this time, but like I was sitting at our daddy group table, like um, stuffing envelopes. I was packing up all of our 
company holiday cards. Mm-hmm. And like I heard that, and it just made me laugh. I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard that before. Um, and then uh, the last thing I watched was today. I watched the um, Bye Bye Barry, the Barry Sanders documentary that's that Amazon Prime put out. Oh yeah, and uh, that was really good. I mean, Barry Sanders has always been like my favorite athlete. Like he was my favorite football player as a kid, and um, just a really interesting guy. Like for as flashy and like mesmerizing as his playing style was, like Barry is a very different character. Um, you know, some people might say he's kind of boring, but he's just kind of who he is, and he he's like a superstar that didn't really want the spotlight or any recognition, and would take himself out of games and things where it's mm-hmm. like, Oh Barry, you're only nine yards away from getting the rushing title. Do you want me to hand the ball to you again? And he's like, no, it's okay, coach. We got the win. It's not a big deal. <laughs> kind of uh, I'm good. And like his offensive lineman would be like, Barry, let's go get this, you know, because it'd be a big deal to them or something too. And he's like, Oh, that's okay. <laughs> and that's just kind of the, who the person Barry, like, what kind of person Barry was. And it's cool because they had like a lot of interviews with old players and like Michigan celebrities like Jeff Daniels and Eminem was in it. Mm. And uh, Jalen Rose is in it too. And it's oh. just like talking about Barry's impact, like just in the state of Michigan and in the city of Detroit. Yeah. But yeah, it was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. I'll probably watch it again. But yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Rock. But I will say that um, once we started having the talk about John Hughes this month, we've kind of noticed something that um, it's well known that John Hughes kind of understood teenage minds and like how they interacted with each other. But did he gave, maybe give teenagers a little more credit to make the right decision? And that's something we talk about. So stick around towards the end and we'll um, answer that for you guys. Some Kind of Wonderful is from 1987 and is directed by Howard Deutsch. Um, The plot for this one is when Keith goes out with Amanda, the girl of his dreams... Amanda's ex-boyfriend plans to get back at Keith. Meanwhile, Keith's best friend, a tomboy named Watts, realizes she has feelings for Keith. Uh, The cast, we got Eric Stoltz as Keith, Catherine Mary Stewart as Watts, Leah Thompson as Amanda Jones, um, Craig Sheffer as Hardy Jens, John Ashton as Cliff Nelson, Elias Gateas as Duncan the Skinhead, Molly Hagen as Shane, Maddie Corman as Laura, and Candace Cameron Bure as Cindy. I just realized um, when reading all this off that this is back-to-back Howard Deutsch-directed movies. Oh, I did not catch that. Yeah. Um, and kind of similar movies. <laughs> this and Pretty in Pink have a lot in common. Yeah, no, this it's it, there is a lot in common, and I'm not gonna jump to the end right away, but I would probably say the end is the biggest difference. Yeah, and but one thing I do want to add is I do think that the um new cast is rather fresh. Yeah, because not saying that I was getting tired of. Um, Molly Ringwald. <laughs> Molly Ringwald, or why am I blanking on his name? Anthony Michael Hall. Thank you. <laughs> um, I just felt like it was, I don't know, it helped create new characters because they do resemble themselves a lot from one movie to the next. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to to see the difference and. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Definitely. So it's kind of interesting because you have um, 
16, well, actually kind of in order from starting at Weird Science Day. Now we basically went with the most comedic to the most serious, I could say. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because uh, 16 Candles is a little bit more serious than Weird Science, Pretty in Pink a little bit more so, and then Some Kind of Wonderful is like, I don't know, there was... There wasn't really much of anything that made me laugh in this movie. Maybe a chuckle here or there, but definitely far from a comedy. Yeah, that might have to do with Eric Stoltz. Um, I mean, nothing against Eric Stoltz, but he's just not really a comedic actor. And I think they kind of realized that when they made Back to the Future. Because um, there are clips still of... um. Back to the Future, where Eric Stoltz is playing Marty McFly because he was the original Marty McFly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been a more serious and different movie. Yeah. Than what we got I, with Michael J. Fox. I agree. It, maybe it wouldn't have been have as big of a following as it does with you know Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the things I had with this movie that I don't know. I've seen. A fair amount of other Eric Stoltz movies, especially from this era. And I, while I think he's a decent actor, I just don't think he has like a great range. Yeah, I was going to say, I was waiting for you to say range. <laughs> yeah, he kind of just plays Eric Stoltz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've talked about this plenty of times, and I always go back to my biggest um, example of this is that you have actors that are they're not bad actors they may not be great but they fit certain roles perfectly and sometimes they can even be guys that you like write a movie around and maybe this is the best comparison but the one i always fall back to is Pauly shore because <laughs> Pauly shore is one of those guys that you know what you're getting with him you know mm-hmm. he plays a certain character he plays it the best um you know he's got he's a charismatic guy he's a funny guy and he, he's just great at playing like that burnout kind of kind of hippie stoner guy where eric stoltz kind of plays the brooding uh i don't know kind of somber this... sensitive guy yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe this role I I mean not to bury like any of my facts and trivia, but I believe it was written for him. Okay. Like John Hughes had Eric Stoltz in mind when he wrote this movie. So and, and it, just getting the idea from the last couple movies we've done that um kind of John Hughes and, and Howard Deutsch are kind of on the same page with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like they worked well together since, you know, they'd have done um, a couple movies, you know, where Hughes is the writer, Deutsch is the director kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. Like Eric Stoltz, I don't know. He's, he, he displays the same character in every movie is what I'm getting at. I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. Actually, I haven't even looked at his filmography yet. So, you know, great, great job, go me. Um, did not realize he was in Pulp Fiction. So there's that. Um, yeah, I guess I forgot that too. I don't even know where he shows up in that. <laughs> um, but everything else that I'm looking at right now, I don't really see anything where he was a main actor that I saw. There's a couple movies in here where either I forgot he was in it, or I believe he's probably just like some kind of side character. So I will yeah. say um, kind of funny thing that I always think of uh, when I think of Eric Stoltz. Mm-hmm. So I always think of this movie. I also think of this movie called The Wildlife. Um, which is from 84 where he kind of plays a similar character in that. Um, And it's got some other recognizable people like uh, Chris Penn, who's Sean Penn's brother. Okay. I remember he was in all the right moves. He was Tom Cruise's best friend. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
It's got um, the other guy from Weird Science, uh, Island Mitchell Smith. Okay. But and then the other thing I think of with Eric Stoltz, and it's such a stupid thing, but I always it always pops in my head. Um, there's an episode of Psych, and I believe it was called like Thursday the twelfth or something like that. It was like one of their Halloween style shows where they're having a Sean and Gus have to figure out what's going on at this camp that they went to in in like middle school. Is it the horror one? Yeah, it's like that style one. Okay. And um they're talking about how they did this project or something where they had to make a pinata. And Gus is like, yeah, and you made that Rick Astley one and you got like second place. He's like, it was not Rick Astley. He's like, it was Eric Stoltz. That's funny. <laughs> I don't know why that I was <laughs> one thing that pops in my head with Eric Stoltz, but there's that. <laughs> so for any psych fans, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then it was a really long story that was pointless. <laughs> yeah, I never would have picked up on that. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Probably the strongest part in this movie, I, I thought Catherine Mary Stewart was really good as Watts. Yeah. No, she did good. Um, You know, honestly, I don't know if I would say there was anyone who was bad. Um, I do think that Watts was the strongest character. Um, his dad, Cliff, did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say and take anything away from Eric Stoltz or um, Leah Thompson, but yeah, I, I, if I had to give a recognition to the best performance, I give it to Watts. Yeah, and I did the thing that I always do. I always get these two um, actresses' names switched around. It's not Catherine Mary Stewart. She was the the girlfriend of um, Jonathan Silverman's character in uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Okay. <laughs> this is Mary Stuart Masterson. <laughs> so here I am going on in this episode saying about how good she was and talking about this movie for almost 10 minutes and getting the actress's name wrong. It's a, I knew who you were talking about. Yeah, I don't know but, if everybody else did, but <laughs> Barry Stewart Masterson was Watts, but yes, she was very good. Um, kind of John Hughes is always good at these like quirky, offbeat characters, mm-hmm. where she's you know a little similar to um, Iona in the last movie we watched. Yeah, how she's you know the tomboy, but she's got she's got like this edge to her. And she doesn't like put up with crap, and those characters always kind of crack me up. Uh, the scene with the one guy that she talks to in school to like try to make Keith jealous, yeah, <laughs> that goober guy that just cracks me up. How he just like worships her, and she's like literally just using this guy to make Keith mad. You mean the Gronk character? Yeah, <laughs> Gronk. He totally looked like Gronk. <laughs> like like a weenie version of Gronk. Yeah, he'd be like, all right, 69, sweet. Yeah, and I love it when he's like pushing her car. And he's like, how far do I have to do this? And she's like, to the next gas station. And he's like, God, you better give me your phone number after this. <laughs> uh, there's a line that, like an exchange they had that really cracked me up. Um, which he's telling them, like, just sit here and like hang out with me and pretend like we're having a great conversation and like that I'm really into you. And he's like, Do you want me to kiss you or feel you up? She's like, Do you want to die young? <laughs> I thought it was really funny how when uh, Eric Stoltz, uh, I'm just gonna call him Keith from now on, but Keith, yeah. uh, character came up and Watts was trying to make him jealous, and then that goober guy was just like oh man nice congrats on uh getting your date with amanda <laughs> yeah <laughs> that Watts like so pissed off the guy <laughs> yeah that's kind of it's it's funny it's like all the guys want to give him like high fives for it um and that's where we get another one of the kind of like a, one of the mid characters and that's um duncan 
like the tough guy that he's played by Elias Kateas, who Elias Kateas is one of those guys that shows up in a lot of different movies and he's always really solid. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably what he's most known for is he was Casey Jones in the original Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. Who is commonly confused with that guy from law and order. (laughs) Yes. The other bald guy with a square jaw. (laughs) (laughs) Both great actors. Yeah. They should do uh that'd be funny for them to do a movie or an episode or something together. <laughs> Where they play brothers. They're both no, cops. Actually, actually, it'd be really funny for there to be a law and order segment where uh, Elias gets confused for the officer. And so the officer gets arrested for something Elias did. <laughs> that would be great. Oh, man. Uh, Elias is he always has like that quick wit and like I feel like he's probably someone who's pretty good at like improvisation mm-hmm. just because of the way his lines are in this movie and like other movies I've seen him in uh, there's an exchange he has like with his I don't know it was like a principal or a teacher or something when they show uh, Keith trying to walk into school and he kind of like cuts him off and uh, like this the principal or whatever shows up and he's like going through Duncan's pockets and he like pulls out a, a bottle of liquor and he's like, Oh, that he's like, that's just for show. He's like, I, I don't drink that. And then he like pulls out this um pack of like nude playing cards. And he's like, see, he's like, now those were just a gift. And the teacher just looks at him. He's like, from your wife. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that I don't know why. like i've seen this movie a few times but this time it like that really cracked me up just the the comedic timing of it was so funny and you know like we were saying that how the gronk guy uh congratulated keith that's kind of how um keith and duncan kind of bond a little bit it's through detention yeah when he tries to get detention with uh amanda leah thompson's yeah. character which by the way was totally like i mean you know that people did it back then and people do it now but that was totally like playing that vice principle and like way inappropriate yeah she's just like flirting with him so she can get out of going to attention yeah if he if he got caught with that it Nowadays, he probably would have gotten fired. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, Keith gets stuck there and he has to sit next to Duncan, who he already had like a run in with. And um, he just like congratulates him too because he's like, you know, it's not very often the guy from um, our side of the tracks gets to pull in at Amanda Jones. And he's like, and I appreciate that with you and it's like and we're all on the same team kind of thing and uh, Keith is like super into art and he's like sitting in um, the detention and he's like drawing a picture and they showed Duncan and he's got like a knife and he's carving into the desk and Keith like shows Duncan his picture and Duncan just like nods with like a a, a nod of approval and then uh, Duncan goes and rips the the desk off the chair that he's sitting on and then shows Keith and Keith just like looks at him and he then he like nods in approval. <laughs> <laughs> like that part always cracks me up. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. It's it's funny to me that the character in this um is supposed to be like a total outcast, total weirdo because he's a guy and he's into art. <laughs> and I'm just like that must have been a lot different in the 80s because, like, in the early 2000s, that was super common. Yeah. Actually, there were a lot of jocks in my art classes taking art just for an easy A while I was in art classes because I was getting ready for college. Yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. Oh, the, but speaking of schools and all that, like, dude, how big are s- schools in the 80s, man? Right. Like these things are huge. And then the, the thing that I find funny and I, I, 
was thinking about commenting on it in some of the previous ones. I think, was it 16 Candles or Pretty in Pink? I can't remember which one it was. No, it was Pretty in Pink. Um, but it's just like these high schools are massive. Mm-hmm. So you know that they're in a huge city, you know, population area. And yeah. yet somehow these small groups of kids cross paths all the time Mm -hmm. in what must be a huge population area and the likelihood of that happening is extremely slim like oh um uh the jerk jock hardy guy yeah um just so happens to go to the gas station where keith is working (laughs) and then pretty in pink um there was a thing where she ran into the same dress shop as that um stupid rich girl yeah that stupid rich girl and it's just like come on like how big is this town that you would actually cross cross paths with people like that that often big enough to have a high school that's the size of a small college yeah yeah basically like this high school is about the size of the college that you and i went to Mm -hmm, that's what it looked like yeah and um it cracks me up too because there's a scene where uh keith's nosy sister laura overhears hardy's plan to beat up keith and humiliate amanda and then she mistakenly thinks that amanda's like in on it Mm -hmm. and it just made me laugh too it's like of course that's perfect timing where his sister's like i'm gonna go pretend to hang out with these guys like to prove to my friends that my brother's cool and like i'm part of this in crowd and that she just happens to overhear their plan. Yeah. Where he's like, okay, then this is what we'll do. <laughs> That's just movie magic there for you. Yeah. No, total cliche. Oh, oh no. Actually, I got some in my notes, and I'll have to wait until we discuss the end of the movie, because <laughs> that, that made me want to jump into something. But. Uh, and speaking of the bratty sister, Laura, I thought she was pretty good, too. Which is, yeah. like, I haven't, I don't know if I've ever seen anything else with her in it. I but she played that character so well. Yeah. I was looking at some of her stuff and I didn't really recognize anything. Another person who's probably a lot of side characters. Oh, she was in Law and Order Special Victims, you know. Oh, she was in the A Beautiful Day in a Neighborhood movie. I don't know anything about and that. And the Adventures of Ford Fairlane that has Andrew Dice Clay in it. We talked about last week. <laughs> But um, I'm yeah, thinking she, she probably had a long career as like maybe a character actor. Yeah. But because I thought she was pretty good in this. I, you know, you know who sucked hmm. was the, his youngest sister. Yeah, you know who that is. I know. I'm just kidding. She, <laughs> she was actually pretty good. I was going to say it's, it's Candace Cameron Bure. Yeah. Better known as DJ from um, Full House. Yeah. Yeah. I recognized her right away and I was like, oh, that's funny. It's funny because I've seen this movie quite a few times, and I guess I never really paid too close attention to the youngest sister. Okay. Other than she was kind of annoying. Well, she had a bigger role than the younger sister in 16 Candles, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> right. Where you forget that Sam even has a younger sister. Yeah, until the end of the movie. And it's like, oh, yeah, we've got another sister. Convenient. I think it was this time I finally realized that it was Candace Cameron. Um, oh really yeah yeah no i i picked up on that uh relatively quickly so so uh, let's talk for a minute a little bit in comparison with this and pretty in pink Mm -hmm. because the interesting thing with this is this one i feel like takes on so it's uh, this one came out two years later but this one kind of took it more head-on with the whole like us first them rich first poor because yeah. they didn't beat around it like they just straight came out and were just like you know those are the rich kids we're not like them mm-hmm. um and and they did a they did a really good job with it i thought because it wasn't you know how some of those movies where they just like come out and they tell you tell you things to give you the backstory yeah uh, exposition like a, yeah, and it's just really out of place. Uh, this one was really pretty natural, and I think most of it came from Watts. 
mm-hmm. um, where she just kind of was not a mediator, but the middle person between obviously uh, Keith and Amanda. Where yeah, and even like literally kind of like the middle person where Keith takes Amanda out and Watts is like the driver. <laughs> the third wheel. Yeah. Yeah. That that I thought was kind of unusual. And and so this was another one too. Again, not trying to jump to the end, but so much during this movie, I was just like, I honestly have no idea how this is gonna end. Right. So kind of like uh pretty in pink, where I was just like, heck if I know, like it could go either way, and I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. So but when we get when we get to the end and we talk about the end, I've, I have some other thoughts too. Uh, well, I thought the douchebag ex boyfriend Hardy was easily hateable. Oh yeah, I I wonder if he would have been better if he was played by James Spader. <laughs> I was thinking about that because he seemed like kind of the Diet Coke of James Spader. <laughs> yeah, I think one calorie, not quite Spader enough. I think it's actually kind of interesting that this that he played the douchebag in this one because mm-hmm. I don't know if Spader would have done as well because part of the thing that I think added an element to this was how physically imposing this guy was. Yeah. And not saying that it was needed, but it changed it a little bit because Spader was just a douche and a tool and a Chad in the yeah. other movie. He wasn't like threatening in any way, shape, or form. And so, uh, for the... maybe just a little bit, he was more in, intimidating because I don't, James Spader's got like that edge to him because you know that he's like really smart. Yeah, well, I meant conniving, I guess I meant more like physically threatening, like because because Hardy straight out his plan was to beat the crap out of Keith. Yeah, uh, which I thought was super weird that he wasn't going to help beat the crap out of him. But anyways, that was something entirely differently. But it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit because that that's the thing, though, is that Spader is more of that mentally intimidating type person that he can do he doesn't have to do anything to threaten you physically because the way he his personality is and his narcissistic savviness that Mm -hmm. in itself is intimidating enough while hardy needed to be physically imposing because he was not as smart and clever but his physical attributes kind of overcame that where it's just like, I don't know. Th- those are two distinct differences there. And uh, it, it was a little fr- like that, that'd be kind of the thing too, where uh, we weren't seeing uh, Molly and Anthony again. Uh, but if you repurposed uh, Spader, I feel like it would have been like, eh, you know, mm. I, I uh, like I said, again, I liked watching this one cause it was like a fresh set. Yeah. Yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. Um Yeah, where they're both like manipulative and um narcissistic. Mhm. But like you said that Spader's got more of that conniving kind of mentally imposing if that makes sense compared to physically imposing. And yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Now, uh, I think one of the most we we do need to discuss one of the most important things. Yeah. If you were Keith <laughs> and it was the end of the movie, who were you going to pick? Um that's a good question. Because this guy's completely and utterly oblivious. It's it's funny that we compare this to Pretty in pink because Molly Ringwald's Andy character is very aware of how much Ducky is obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. Where this time Keith is the most oblivious guy in the world <laughs> to the fact that his best friend Watts is in love with him. Yeah. <laughs> That's not happening. How oblivious and blind is this guy? Um, 
I don't know. I felt like I don't think even you know Leah Thompson's character Amanda in this points it out too that she doesn't Keith doesn't even really know her. Like, mm-hmm. why is he so obsessed and willing to like spend his life savings on her? Um, go jump through all these hoops just to talk to her. It's like when he really has no idea who she is. So he's basing most of his um interest in her on her you know physical appearance mm-hmm. you know, as much as he might say that that's not the case um i mean it kind of is because if he doesn't really know her then he's basing on how she looks so i guess maybe i pick watts because he at least he had a connection with her like they're best friends and okay. like she's attractive too so so that's your logical approach from the scenario of the movie yeah scenario of just which one would you pick on like if you were a guy in high school (laughs) and you had your choice to try to date one of those two well i mean most guys would take leah thompson wouldn't they most would i have no idea but like i was the whole time i was just like dude keith like how have you not dated watts yet Like, see, right. I, I would have, I, I imagine like if I was in this scenario that I would be like, I'd probably be the idiot friend who didn't recognize friend boundaries and be like, Hey, Watts, you and I should totally go out. And then <laughs> she would be like, uh, no, I don't think so. So you would turn it around and you'd still be the ducky. <laughs> yeah. Somehow I would turn around and I would be the ducky. Oh, that's hilarious. Because yeah, like, like I said, like they're both very attractive like in their own way mm-hmm. where you know leah thompson's more like the traditional good looking where you know she, i guess you know watts is too but she's you know like i said she's a tomboy yeah it has more of like an edge to her and i guess if her and keith were to be together she'd probably wear the pants more than him <laughs> he's very passive I would yeah, say pretty passive. I, I like the part too where he's talking to his dad and he's like, I don't want to go to college. He's like, I'm not. It's like, I want to, you know, do my art or whatever. He's like, if you haven't noticed, he's like, I'm not your typical such and such. He's like, my best friend is a tomboy. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. But like, like you said, his dad earlier, you said his dad was pretty solid. Um, He's probably most known from the Beverly Hills Cop movies. Mm. Yeah, I recognize him. And just completely and utterly obsessed with Keith going to college. Yeah. (laughs) Like unhealthy obsessed. Well, I find it kind of funny because I was literally thinking about it. I was just like, oh, yeah, that was back in the day when you could go to college for really inexpensive and actually get a really good job when you were done. (laughs) Uh, Keith could have went and got an art degree and then um, made continue six to figures. do a job where he's doing multiple different things that don't really fall under his degree and he's not getting paid the greatest. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't happen to anybody, right? No, never. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the ending for this, um, kind of circling back to what we are talking about, this is kind of like the opposite of Pretty and Pink. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been some of the reason why John Hughes wrote this. I thought Because so. originally he wanted Andy and Ducky to be together. Yeah. And it didn't test out that well. So they ended up switching it around where she ended up with Blaine. And Ducky like told her to go. Where this one kind of switches those roles around where Amanda tells Keith, to go to go be happy like gives him the earrings back and like sends him after watts yeah now it's just like oh okay it's interesting because i feel like both movies did the right thing um in their own unique circumstances but but here's the thing this is the thing that i was holding on to that was just like i have to talk about this when we talk about the end of the movie so um 
just to say that John Hughes, love his stuff, great writer, director, and all that stuff, but I have to say that he undoubtedly, and I will fight you on this, <laughs> gives teens way too much credit. Because <laughs> yeah. there's, because like we said, there's no way that Ducky gives up Andy that easily. But right. the thing that made me laugh and think that with this one is like, okay, is that outrageous to think that someone would do that where Amanda tells Keith to go get Watts? No, but for her to make that connection and figure that all out that quickly in the yeah. moment yeah, that's giving way too much credit to teens. <laughs> like, like just way too much where it's just like, no, teens are not super deep, insightful, super intelligent. They are emotionally, uh, they're run by their emotions. They move too quickly and they make a lot of mistakes. Like, while I love both ends of both movies, like he is giving teens way too much credit. Yeah, he, he kind of leans. It's funny because John Hughes understood the teenage mind i felt like mm -hmm. but yeah like you said he did give them a little too much maturity yeah and, and uh, the, not too much that it wasn't believable but when you stop and you think about it you're like yeah a little bit unrealistic but not 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 bad but i just yeah. thought that was a fair point to mention yeah i would agree with that um, but the ending, I thought it was kind of rushed. It was a little rushed because yes. we have like a lot of build up to this date. And then, you know, Keith, his sister tells him like Hardy's plan. And he thinks that Amanda was in on it the whole time. Like Watts was saying, and there's a part where he basically like confronts her and she, you know, says like, I, you know, that's not me. It's not part of this. Like I genuinely went out with you kind of thing because I agreed that I would and um that's when she says like you you look at me and kind of you like what you see this is why you've asked me out because you don't even really know me kind of thing blah 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 um you know that's what we get with the, the confrontation with Hardy and you know hardy and his friends are gonna like beat the crap out of keith until duncan shows up and then all of a sudden they're not tough guys yeah <laughs> it's like whoops <laughs> like that part cracks me up too where it's like no we're gonna stay a while where duncan's like we're gonna stay a while i was like we're gonna have a good time aren't we <laughs> <laughs> you know and that leads to the amanda telling keith to go after watts and like I felt like that whole interaction was a little rushed. It was, it was acted very like fairly well by Mary Stuart Masterson. Um, her line of when he hands the earrings to her and she's like, "Um, I really, really wanted these," and he's like, "Oh, I didn't know," kind of thing. Like that, I thought that was handled really well. Like her delivery was like really genuine. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that was like, she did a great job with that line. But the whole interaction itself, I felt like it was a little rushed. Well, honestly, if I'm not mistaken, I think the date starts with like 15 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. And I was just like, man, like what is going on here? Because you're right, there was a ton of buildup. And I, I didn't really understand what the plan was because it seemed like they were planning to almost humiliate Amanda mm -hmm. too. Like, they weren't just going to go after Hardy. They were going to go after Amanda. And so I was just like, what is going on? What is happening? Why is he spending all this money on this revenge trip, whatever kind of thing? <laughs> right. But then that's not exactly what it turned into. So, it, yeah, it definitely felt rushed. It it got the point across, but I feel like it could have been more impact, impactful. Yeah. Um, and then I wondered, it's like, what happens with Amanda now? So she lost, she dumped Hardy, which made her, which ended up like Keith asking her out. So she goes on this date with Keith and she loses him because she makes him go to Watts. 
Um, in the whole process of this, she's lost all of her friends because they just ignore her. Mm-hmm. They don't want anything to do with her now. Um, so now she has no boyfriend and no friends. And it's like, what does she do now? Well, I, I have a feeling that she maybe the thing that they lean you to to think about is she seemed to have made a connection with Duncan a little bit like okay. he's there on the same side kind of thing mm-hmm. but also there was that weird interaction because what her friend's name was Shane Shane yeah and she made googly eyes to one of Duncan's skinhead friends or whatever yeah so it seemed like she was supposedly you know flipping sides sees the air in her ways yeah yeah so maybe they would be friends i I don't know i mean i definitely see and understand what you're saying where it leads you to believe like oh amanda's gonna be on her own but i feel like there was something too that she said well what was the uh, there was that thing that she kept on saying where it's just like i'd rather be with the wrong person than be alone and i think at some point she said i think it's more important for me to be alone right now yeah or something to that degree. So it might've been one of those things, again, giving teens a little bit too much credit, but where it was more of a time for self-reflection and for her to just grow and focus on herself. Yeah. We're basically, that's when she sends Keith the Watts and says um, something about being happy for the right reasons or something like that. I don't remember how she phrased it. This is make me chuckle because I feel like this is such a guy response where it's just like, oh yeah, she's she said something about feelings or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. Typical guy response. Um, so there are some kind of awkward things in this movie. Um so during the date, like Keith takes Amanda to the art museum mm-hmm. after it's closed because Duncan's dad is like the um the, like the night security guy. Yeah. And I said, it's a bold move to put a painting that you did of the girl that you're on your first date with in an art museum. Is bold the right word? <laughs> yeah. No, there there's a lot in this where Keith is totally creepy. Uh, like i don't know i mean i was trying to think back of when i was in high school and you know you you would have a crush and things like that like yeah you'd see you'd have class with them or something like that but you don't freaking stare man (laughs) like come on yeah he's got um we mentioned how awkward the the weird instant message thing was with Andrew McCarthy and Molly Ringwald and pretty in pink. And there's a few moments like that in here too. You know, mm-hmm. like when she's having a argument with Hardy in the hallway and he's just like standing there staring at her and then he like salutes her at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really awkward. Like, okay, bro. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I mentioned it, how completely oblivious that Keith is to Watts the whole time. To the point where they're talking about the date, and then she said something about, are you going to kiss her at the end? And he's like, well, I don't know. I kind of just was going to trust my feelings and see where I was at. And she's like, well, if you're going to kiss her, it's like, how do you know it's going to be good? And you know, he says something again about kind of being in the moment kind of thing. And so she's like, well, I was going to help you with that. But if you're so confident, then maybe I won't worry about it. And, and it just leads to them kissing. Mm-hmm. And then like she blushes and like runs away. And he's like, um, he's like, no, it's not a bad thing. And kind of all that. Like, dude, how did you not know? You you can't walk out of a drive-in movie, Sandy. <laughs> no, yeah, I thought, yeah, that was, they they made him out to be really dense. So, yeah, I mean, in general, guys are usually oblivious to a lot of things, but. But if a girl shows that much interest to them, they're pretty like. And if there's any mutual feeling on their side. 
I yeah. can't think of too many times that because I'm I'm thinking back. Um, man, I don't know if there was any like in high school if there were any friends that were interested, like friends who were girls that were interested in me. But there were there were several that were like in our friend group where like one of the girls liked the guy. Um, but there was never really anything like. I don't know. It was always that weird tandem where like one, one didn't like the other as much as they liked them. And yeah, it just, but they were both single. (laughs) Like, (laughs) right. And also from the aspect that they were essentially like the weird ones and the outcasts, it's just like, that's just kind of a natural setup there. Mm -hmm. But anyways. Yeah. Um, man, really, I think the only other thing I felt like with this movie that maybe didn't live up to a lot of John Hughes movies is that the soundtrack wasn't as great. Like, there's a few decent songs, but there wasn't really anything that it didn't have its um signature song. Mm -hmm. Feel like weird, like weird science has weird science. And didn't didn't um, this song have an Amanda Jones song? Yeah. But it wasn't really that impactful. Yeah. It was the Rolling Stones song, Amanda Jones, which I didn't know came out before this movie did. Oh. And I don't know. I just don't like, I don't like how in a movie they have a song that's about the main character and it mentions them by name and then it just lives in their universe because like Keith is showering for his date and he's singing the song. I did, but I uh, get but I guess if it's a if it's a song that was already made before the movie that kind of works that way. But I don't know, it's just something about it. I'm like, uh hmm. do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I, I guess I didn't catch that. So I uh, like I mean I, I believe you're right. Um, but I don't know. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I mean, that, that can kind of be a head scratcher and cause problems, but I don't know that since the soundtrack wasn't already hitting for me, it didn't really add or take away in my opinion. Yeah. It's just not a very strong soundtrack. Like I said, it didn't have a signature song really. That's Mm -hmm. like super memorable. You know, even Pretty in Pink had the that OMD song that we mentioned last week. And, you know, Ferris Bueller had um, Oh Yeah by Yellow. Debo-bo. But uh, I think that was one thing this was missing. Also, it's a movie called Some Kind of Wonderful, and it doesn't have the song Some Kind of Wonderful by Grand Funk Railroad in it. Yeah, I did think about that. <laughs> I thought that was a little strange, but it, you know, even if it was something that they played in the credits or whatever, but they didn't, they played that, um, weird cover of, I can't help falling in love with you. The, the Elvis song, mm-hmm. or I'm sure it might not just be an Elvis song, but he made the most memorable version of it. But Yeah. Um, anything else you want to mention that stands out to you before I get to a trivia and facts? Uh, no, let's hit the trivia. All right. Don't have a whole heck of a lot for this movie, but, um, Elias Coteas improvised much of his lines and actions. Um, the scene where Duncan puts his head on Amanda's shoulder, uh, Leah Thompson's surprised laugh was actually real. Because that was just something that Elias Coteas just rolled with. Um, so Howard Deutsch and Leah Thompson actually fell in love while they were filming this movie, and they have been married to each other since 1989. Huh. It's kind of funny. Um, so the role of Keith Nelson was actually written for Eric Stoltz. Nice. Uh, so Molly Ringwald was offered the role of Amanda Jones, but she refused it which ended up ending her successful relationship with John Hughes. 
Um, when John Hughes made Pretty in Pink, he was unhappy with the ending, and he wanted Andy to get together with Ducky. We, we talked about that last week. Uh, but the film's ending of Andy getting together with Blaine was forced upon him by the studio. Um, in retaliation, Hughes made this film with the ending he envisioned for Pretty in Pink. He wanted Molly Ringwald to star in it, but like I said, that she refused. Uh, Hughes actually took it personally, and this effect- effectively ended their working relationship, and they never worked together again. Mm, that's weird. Yeah, a little bit. I guess if um, Tim Burton ever made a movie again that didn't have Johnny Depp in it, maybe it'd be the same. <laughs> Uh, so Leah Thompson originally turned down the lead when she was approached by Howard Deutsch. Um, she then accepted the role after she did Howard the Duck, and it flopped. Ooh, yeah. Um, Deutsch again asked her to play the role of Amanda Jones, and she accepted. She's like, please, yes, give me anything. Yeah, let's let's rinse my soul of this movie. <laughs> uh, Elias Cateas was discovered by John Hughes when he was auditioning for the movie She's Having a Baby from 1988. Um, and it was at his suggestion um, that he'd be cast in the role of Duncan. Hmm. Uh, so Matty Corman, uh, much like Elias Gutierrez, was discovered by John Hughes in New York City and it was suggested that she be casted in this movie. Um, she was the younger sister of Laura. Hmm. Uh, so this move, movie marks the feature film debut of Candace Cameron Bure. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Eric Stoltz, Leah Thompson, Elias Gateas, and Molly Hagen were all born in 1961, making them all 24 or 25, and they were playing high schoolers. <laughs> Which <laughs> has become kind of a joke, I guess, now. Looking back at 80s movies where you had like near 30-year-olds playing um, high schoolers. Dude, you can't make this that bad because look at the cast of Grease. Yeah. <laughs> which, speaking of which, wasn't the gym teacher from Greece? Dude, I don't know. I've never seen Greece. What? <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Oh, wait. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Hang on two seconds. I found her. Survey said. Oh, she's not in Greece. What the heck is she? Show from? me potato salad. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Weird. I thought she was in Greece. Maybe not. I'm just losing my mind. That's all right. I tried to say that Harry Dean Stanton was in Hoosiers last week. So there you go. (laughs) Um, The last thing I got. um, It took me forever to find the budget for this. so I'm not sure how accurate it is. Um, It is estimated that the budget was $9 million. um, And it made $18 million in the box office. Rock. So I guess a little bit of diminishing returns. Um, didn't make as much as previous John Hughes movies, but I don't feel like it is as strong as some other John Hughes movies, but we'll get to that when we do grades. What? And speaking of grades, IMDb Rotten Tomatoes, what are they? Okay, well, this is going to be bad because I think I saw it. Was it a 7? It is a 7.0. Okay, I was right. So, I mean, I accidentally saw it come across. So, um... Rotten Tomatoes, sixty-eight, seventy-six. Okay. Uh, audience, seventy-one, eighty. Oh, went up. Okay. Yeah. So our grades. Um, I think I went first. Yeah, I think it's your turn to go first. Rock. Um, this is a movie that I feel like is. Probably one of the least talked about John Hughes movies from the 80s. It might be the least talked about John Hughes movie of the 80s. Uh, it's got a lot of things going for it. I, Like I said, Mary Stuart Masterson did a really good job as Watts. She's really likable. Um, the character is kind of a cool character. Um, I, like I said, I'm not the biggest Eric Stoltz fan but I felt like he did a good job for the role that he was given and the character that he had. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, it was basically written for him. So who Mm -hmm. else is going to play that? Um, Would it have been better if Michael J. Fox took this role from him? (laughs) I don't know. I love Michael J. Fox. So I'd like to see him in almost any role, but um, 
No, I thought he did good. Leah Thompson's always pretty solid. Um, and then I really like Elias Katea's like anything he does, and I thought he was pretty hilarious in this movie. Uh, and just he like personified that role too, where he was just he's imposing, but like likable and funny at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like just one of those things that he can do, but. I ended up falling on a four out of five for this because I feel like it's a pretty good movie, but it just doesn't have, it seems to be missing something that other John Hughes movies have. It doesn't have that strong nostalgic feel to it, I guess. Yeah. No, that seems fair. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't want to say it drags, but it also doesn't, um, not move fast but i don't know it moves at an interesting kind of pace like it it, um if i had to say that leans more towards anything it kind of leads more to dragging um because the first like 80 percent or even 90 percent of the movie um is build up development different stuff kind of uh, lackadaisical moving along and then the end like the date and everything as you already mentioned is just like boom okay Warp we're speed. gonna go we're gonna go to dinner we're gonna go to the museum we're gonna go to the party we're gonna go oh, oh, crap, oh, they oh, have oh. to get together <laughs> <laughs> oh man they got they got a kiss and then they got they got to do this and uh he has to end up with watts boom <laughs> so yeah. um so yeah the ending while while the ending was uh, and i think you alluded, alluded to this as well like was performed very well it was rushed um i certainly agree that this does feel quite a bit different a part of that i attribute to it basically being a straight-up drama compared to the other comedy filled movies that we've watched um i don't know it's kind of interesting i I think I'm going to land at four out of five as well. I was looking at maybe three and a half, but there's not really anything bad enough that's making me think of a three and a half. I think kind of the thing that was making me lean more towards a three and a half instead of four is that didn't have enough wow factor to, to keep it at a four or higher. So I am settling at a four, but compared to a lot of other movies that we've listed at a four out of five, it doesn't have as much oomph as some of those. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and I think I've seen most most John Hughes movies. Um, maybe some of his 90s ones I haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time. But I would say this is probably his least talked about one from the 80s because the guy had such a crazy run in the 80s. Yeah. So we are finally wrapping up the John Hughes month part two. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll go around and do a a part three sometime. But next month's going to get kind of interesting. Um. If you guys remember last year, we covered the Die Hard series for Christmas because Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Um, there's another action movie of the 80s that could be considered a Christmas movie. And we're going to co- we're going to be covering all the Lethal Weapon movies. Right. Which it's been a while since I've seen Lethal Weapon 3 and 4. So kind of interested to go back and um watch those again i think i watched lethal weapon one and two maybe last year or two years ago um so those are a little fresher in my mind but i'm kind of looking forward to that and like the little left turn from what we're doing right now (laughs) it's just been revoked (laughs) dude and i just saw the other day that the guy who played the diplomat in the second lethal weapon movie just passed away oh he did the, yeah. the guy from uh kid in king arthur's court yep and mighty ducks oh yeah mighty, yep. he mighty was ducks. hans yeah hans gruber no not 
<laughs> Hans. Hans, Bubby. Oh, but yeah. Um, if you guys are liking the show, please like, subscribe, and share. Follow us on social media. We're on pretty much every platform. Um, I keep saying that I'm going to put something out on YouTube, but trying to find the time to do it is the thing. But yeah, keep checking that. Maybe something will show up. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, if I ever finish the... No, I'll eventually finish it, but when I find the time to finish the um, next Slash Request episode, I'll let y'all know so you can check it out. Um, yeah, and if you guys um, really liked the John Hughes Month, uh, go back two years ago. We had John Hughes Month Part 1. And um, check that out. We did some of the good movies that he had um, aside from these. So, yeah, come by next time. We're going to be talking about Lethal Weapon. But until then, as always, be kind and rewind. <laughs>